This is the Top Entrepreneurs Podcast, where founders share how they started their companies and got filthy rich or crash and burn. Each episode features revenue numbers, customer counts, and other insider information that creates business news headlines. We went from a couple of hundred thousand dollars to 2.7 million. I had no money when I started the company. It was $160 million, which is the size of many IPOs. We're bootstrapped. We have like 22,000 customers. With over 5 million downloads in a very short amount of time, major outlets like Inc. are calling us the fastest growing business show on iTunes. I'm your host, Nathan Latka, and here's today's episode. Hello, everybody. My guest today is Mike Doherty. He is the chief executive officer and co-founder of Jelly, the technology platform for the 40 billion global audio advertising market. He has 20 years of experience with online and mobile services and corporate development. Under his leadership, the company Jelly has developed a cloud platform that transforms audio advertising, enabling advertisers and publishers to buy and sell audio advertising programmatically through a suite of demand side and supply side services. Mike, are you ready to take us to the top? Yeah. All right. Good. So audio's hot, right? Google Home, Alexa, audio input devices, audio listening devices, they're all over the place. And it's easier than text-based stuff like reading. So it's going to maybe expand faster than even the web did back when Google was indexing search stuff. How are you indexing all this audio data? And walk me through the product. How are you enabling it, folks, to programmatically advertise in it? Well, actually, Jelly was built, the concept of this building the largest audio ad platform, creating innovation for audio so it can compete in this era where you have Google, you have Facebook uh, winning eight out of uh, every 10 new dollar coming into advertising. Um, audio is this amazing category that billions of people use it globally. And as you just mentioned, it's going through this sort of very interesting inflection point where voice and the connected home and the connected car and talking to these devices is, as you just described, shifting digital engagement from your mobile phone or from your desktop to something where voice is the input and audio is the output. For certain types of services like music, some of us subscribe, but sometimes we, we consume free, uh, free music, free audio. And in those cases, monetization, having a business model for free, the free tier is important. So we build a platform to help audio advertising flourish in this era. So walk me through how it works. And actually, let me just use this show as an example, right? So the show does about 5 million downloads. Right now I do between 2 and 3 million a year and podcast sponsorships. The issues I have is I have all this, you know, I have 800 episodes that are historical where I've already hit the impression counts that the advertisers paid for, but I have no way to go back and reuse that inventory without me opening them on Audacity and putting in new reads. Do you solve that problem and how's the tech work? We're, we're, we're working on solving that problem. So this year, Jelly will get more and more into podcasting. Um, but the way we, uh, you know, let's look at the last five years, what Jelly's been solving. Um, if you look at AdWords, if you're a marketer, let's say you work at Lyft or Grubhub or somewhere and you want to get your, the word out, uh, you log into AdWords, spend potentially millions of dollars a year buying search, display, other types of advertising from Google. Uh, if you're uh, going to buy from Facebook, you log into Facebook advertising. Again, search target and buy uh, social ads or mobile ads from Facebook. We've built a platform in Jelly that allows you to log in and through Jelly buy over 2,300 radio stations across the US. Almost like reserving a table on open table, making it really easy to do something that traditionally has been very offline. So your radio, that's your inventory right now. It's all radio. 
For the last four years, it's been all radio. In 2018, that's changing. I'll talk a little bit about that in a second. But the reason why we started there was that's where like basically eight out of $10 of all audio advertising was sitting. That's, you know, the terrestrial traditional radio business is still very large in the U.S., but it's extremely manual. It's extremely, um, I've seen the rate cards. They'll, they'll, they'll make you, I mean, they'll make you sicker than any, you know, food is poisoning you've ever had. Right. Well, I mean, it, it, and also if you think about it from someone who wants to buy an ad, they don't want to talk to a sales rep. They don't want to go through that process when they can just log on AdWords and buy at Google. So, you know, we wanted to make the process a lot more digital, a yep. lot more modern. So, so quantify the success for me. I mean, what have you processed over the past 12 months in terms of spend through the platform? Uh, we're processing about uh, $100 million to spend through the platform right now. Got uh, it. Our business model for the company is software. So we don't sell the ads. Uh, we are the software that allows all the people who are buying and selling from each other to work together. So they, they So you don't take a cut? We do take a cut, but we take a software fee. So it's sort of like a processing fee. Got it. So you have a dual business model. There's a there's a software license fee, like a pure play SaaS model, and there's also a small kind of cut model. Exactly. Actually, Interesting. Perfect. Interesting. So on the broadcaster side for radio stations, they typically are part of a SaaS recurring revenue model. Okay. Um, with a small percentage on upside. What do they pay um, on I mean, average per month? We have lots of different deals. We generate currently about a million dollars a month from 2,300 radio stations in okay, recurring software. That's okay. So, so I mean, this is a healthy, it's a little healthy little business there on that side. Yeah. And then on the, uh, let's say you want to log in to buy some ads. In that case, you're going to pay anywhere from five to 15%, depending on who you are, um, on the on a processing fee, essentially on the basis of how much you're spending. So if it's a million dollars or a hundred thousand dollars or whatever you're spending on the audio ads, there'll be a processing tech fee that we'll receive for, for that. I love this model because uh, a lot of people look at a marketplace model and beat the hell out of it and say, you can't make any money until you have both sides and then you have to be matchmaker. What you've yeah. done is said, you know what, let's just give value to both sides and actually make them pay on both sides. <laughs> and you have a dual business model on both sides. So 2,300 radio stations basically paying you a million right. bucks a month, right? for you to get access to their inventory. <laughs> and then on the other side, for buyers of these placements, they're paying you anywhere between, you said five and 10% of total spend. Right, and you know, by the way, that didn't happen overnight. So last, I don't know, four years has been going from 100 stations to 300, and then we signed in 2015, about three years ago, a huge deal with iHeartMedia, which is the largest radio group in the US. And they brought 800, 900 stations to the table. We powered their uh, large-scale radio ad exchange with our software. Uh, and that really solved that chicken-the-egg issue of a marketplace where you try to get scale on one side or the other. How do you do it? A lot of uh, entrepreneurs try to figure that out. Sometimes you're given uh, advice, fake the chicken. I love that idea. but um, Fake the chicken. <laughs> fake the chicken. That's hustle. Hustle. Fake the chicken. You know, if you got to get drivers on your Uber platform, just get the drivers somehow because you got the consumers starting. But in our case, large scale ad adver uh, advertisers and ad agencies didn't want to work with us if we didn't have enough scale. And yet the broadcasters didn't want to work with us unless there was money. And so you did have that chicken and the egg. But um, the chicken in our case was iHeart. iHeart ended up signing a huge deal with us, multi-year contract. Uh, they provided that scale on one side of the marketplace. 
And from there, all these ad agencies that work with them said, you know, I want to try this. I want to use this. This industry needs to move more toward this like digital transaction model, more like digital. And so uh, it sort of started from there. And then we went from maybe 1,200 radio stations to 2,300 now. Um, the scale is huge. You, lo you log into Jelly. You're looking to buy some ads. You can reach 250 million people a month through our partners. What penetration do you have right now? How many total radio stations are there? There are about 6,000 commercial stations in the U.S. We so have 20, 40%, 50%. Yeah, and we have the big ones too. So if you look at like audience scale, because not every station's equal, um, we pick the big ones first. So LA, New York, et cetera, all the big cities. Uh, so if you look at listener share, we're probably at about 65% listener share right now of all listening of radio that you can essentially address if you want to buy an ad. Hmm. Buy an ad, upload an ad, it gets cashed down on our platform all across the country are the places you want to buy and run the ad. And uh, our software takes over from there. We, we run it in an automated fashion. When the ad runs on our platform, you get a log in your dashboard that says, hey, my ad's running right now in Boston. And so as a marketer, you can see your ad running and you can listen to it on the air. So for the first time, you have that kind of transparency, that sort of digital access to real-time data. And that's really uh, valuable for a lot of people. So when you add up both sides of your marketplace, I mean, are you, what are you doing somewhere right now around 24-ish, 25 million per year or a little under that? We're doing a little under that, but I would say this year we're expecting to do something like that. Yeah. And I'm just doing the math. If you do a million a month from 23 radio stations, that's obvious, or sorry, 2,300, that's obviously 12 million there. And then if you process hundred million. It's, in it's unbalanced right now. We started with the supply side. They, they're like more of our revenue. They, so okay. They are. That 12 million is more than 50%. Correct. The agencies are just now starting to get to... I think this year they'll outstrip the broadcaster side or the supply, you know, the publisher side from the perspective of customer, um, revenue, you know, revenue. Yeah. yeah. Just to round that out though, you said a hundred million in, in ad spend three over the past 12 months, minimum 5% up to 15%. So minimum there's 5 million coming from that side, but it's less than 12 million. So call it, maybe you're doing 22 million right now, trailing 12 months and you think you'll break 30 this year. Yeah. You didn't sound confident. No, I was trying to, so I was, I was trying to follow your, uh, your analysis, by the way, good analysis. Do you like that analysis? That's I Am I hired? <laughs> uh, well, I, I think you're doing fine, so I don't think you need, uh, you need to work for us. But you have a job here. Yeah, no, uh, I would be fired in about two seconds if you tried that. Um, what about growth? So take me, so last 12 months, to call it about 22 million-ish. What were you at previous 12 months? 400% um, growth uh, year over year. And revenue. So, yeah, and revenue. Wow. So, uh, 2016 was sort of a ramp year for us. Um, it took a while to get the footprint in place, but once the footprint in place, 2017, we really generated a lot of revenue. Uh, 2018, we're going to see less than 400%, but it's still going to be over doubling and uh, our margins are very high. So from a business model perspective, what's high? Yeah. Um, well, we did in Q3, 85% gross margins that was up from 83%. So we have a software kind of business model related to the, uh, revenue. Yep. Yeah. Just to be clear, if you have 400% growth, I mean, you're talking December 16 run rate, somewhere around 6 million and you grew that in December 17 run rate to about 22 million. I mean, that's significant growth. Would you would you attribute most of that to that iHeart deal? Yeah, I think iHeart was a catalyst. Yeah. Not only were they a big source of their big customer, but they attracted the rest of the market. So a fear of missing out concept when you have someone who represents about 30% market share in the U S of national advertising. Yeah. Uh, it's hard not to participate in the things they're doing. 
So let me, so let me ask you a, another question about the space in general audio. Um, you know, I think why Google AdWords and Facebook works is you can do direct attribution. So direct advertise like direct marketing advertisers they know they can spend a dollar and two seconds later make a dollar fifty and they then they just funnel in that channel a lot of podcast hosts and i think this is so stupid how they do it but they're selling super they're selling cpms that are just never going to work because they don't know how to move their audio audience to actual buyers and so if they can't figure that out which is really a creative problem it's hard to solve it with technology i think maybe have an answer but if they can't solve that spend is never going to drive you know get into the hundreds of billions right how do you see that playing out? Do you agree with me or do you disagree? I agree with you partially. I think that uh, if you look at audio as a full category, in the U.S. today, it's about $18 billion. Okay. Okay. And the reason why it's $18 billion is that there's about an hour and a half of time spent with audio every day on average. Okay. Okay. So if you're Facebook or Google, you're someone who's big, you look at the concept of how much mind share do I have of each person because that's my growth. And so they started with mobile and digital and they look at that and they say, that's about, I don't know, three hours a day at a time that the average person spends with me, Google, or Facebook, right? They're, now they're jumping to TV. TV is about a five to six hour time of day. And that's the big battleground right now. It's about $80 billion uh, ad market. The next big chunk of time that no one's tapped is audio. It's about hour and a half, two hours a day. And it's, for example, driving home. When you're driving home in your car, audio is a type of media you consume a lot of the time. And if it's got advertising, it's a great time for a marketer to say, hey, you're driving home. You haven't decided what you're going to eat yet tonight because you're hungry. Why not order from Grubhub or why not turn into this uh, retail? Yep. So the point is, is that from a marketer, it can be very effective. But as you said, there's not a, good, a lot of good feedback loop to kind of convert that impression like in a Google search ad to directly to the uh, um, advertising. There's, there's studies. There's like a six to one ratio of one dollar spent, six dollar return. But that doesn't give you that same sort of performance that you're used to with digital. So um, we think that there's going to be some aspects of that that will be in the next, let's say, 12 to 24 months that will become more interesting, specifically with companies that are matching digital data with some of the things that are happening in audio. Guys, I just bought a brand new three bedroom, three bath in Austin, Texas. I'm going to Airbnb it and make probably two or three grand a month in passive income. It's gonna be an unbelievable investment. But one of the first steps is I have to like buy mattresses, right? I have to get a bed for the extra rooms. And you know, I like a great deal and I didn't wanna spend a ton of money on this. So I decided to go with Casper. They have affordable prices because they cut out the middleman and sell directly to the consumer. I mean, you guys have heard me interview these brands that are doing this direct-to-consumer model. So I also wanted to test it out. And I also like that Casper basically allows me a you know, 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial and a no-hassle return if I'm not completely satisfied. In addition, they made it easy for me to purchase. They do free shipping and returns in the U.S. and Canada. Now, when the mail guy dropped this off, I go, Mr. Mailman, are you sure? That's like a small box. How do they do that? They fit a king size in this box. And I'm going, okay, this is going to be interesting tonight. So I unpack this thing. I open it. I lay it down on my rug here on my second floor bedroom. And I go, okay, I'm going to sleep on it tonight. See how it does. This mattress gave me all the support my body could possibly need in all the right places. And I'm thinking, Lord have mercy. If a mattress can hug me like this while I sleep, I never have to date. I could just build my business, make a lot of money, and never worry about relationships again. 
No, I'm just kidding, but this thing is a great mattress. It's designed, developed, and assembled in the US, which I love. I encourage you guys to go grab your own, even just to experience Casper's business model. To get started, you can really start sleeping ahead of the curve with Casper. Get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com forward slash top and using promo code top at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. Again, get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com forward slash top and using promo code top at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. What is the tech that's going to connect that attribution loop? Obviously with Facebook ads, it's cookies. It's easy. What is the piece of tech that's going to loop that together? It starts with uh, connecting the data of the ad being served and marrying that up somehow with a digital profile. And so there's a couple steps of tech in the middle. And we're one of the steps, we create the data, ad serving now. Two, in the case of broadcast, we're guessing who the people are because they're not connected. It's a broadcast, it's an FM radio station. In the case of streaming, you know who it is, especially if they have a subscription, if they're logged in, they're registered. But there's also ways to get information from other sources. And then that's married up to a whole bunch of data sets, just like any digital platform. So for example, one of our partners, iHeartMedia, with iHeartRadio, has an app where they can learn a lot about the audience. They take that mobile app and take the data from that and use that as a way of projecting onto a radio station guesses as to who the people are that listen to each of their stations. So there's a lot of technology, a lot of statistical analysis that's going to figuring out how do I reach a video gamer if I'm Dell and I want to sell an Alienware computer? Yep. Yeah, it was, you know, I learned early on when I launched the show, sponsors would, sponsors would run tests and then wouldn't tell me the data, but would immediately ask to renew for a year. And I'm going, what's going on here? Yeah. Nobody canceled. And what I realized quickly was when I started tracking it myself with a unique URL that I owned, I said, I'm driving them so much upside but I can't right. track it. So I didn't know that I should have quadrupled my prices, right? So, so I mean, this is serious, right? Like now, this is how you measure your audience's purchasing power, which is very different across podcasts. So now I charge, you know, 20 times what I would charge if it was just on a CPM basis because I know my audience buys. Right. You know, it's funny. There's a, uh, a very big segment that buys audio advertising. One of the, the, and there's two competitors. One of the competitors decided not to do as much audio last year. And they just got their butts kicked by the other guy who kept funneling in cash. So sometimes this stuff isn't as scientific. You get it on the back end when you see your revenue and you see your traffic or whatever you're like measuring. And so we start with just giving data. Real-time data is important because if you got real-time data, I see my ad running in Boston. I can track web traffic in Boston. I can track sales in Boston. I can look for Lyft. You know, there's more tech that we need to put at it so we can actually make it more like a Google ad. Yep. Quick, because we're, we're out of time here, but quick last questions. Uh, funding, have you raised or bootstrapped? Oh, uh, we raised. So series A and B, we've raised $46 million today. Okay, $46 million total. And then economics-wise, what's your churn look like? We have very low churn. Uh, very low churn. Like under what? Like under, under, under 5%. Okay, and that's logo churn annually or revenue churn? Both. Both. Okay, cool. That, I mean, yeah, that's obviously really healthy. Um, what is the, uh, in terms of acquiring these radio stations, it seems like you're doing this really on a kind of bulk deal basis. So me asking yes. you a CAC question wouldn't be relevant, but maybe on the other side, bring in a new buyer of these ads to your platform. What does it cost you to get one of those people? 
Well, some of the some of the things we're working on right now are big deals, both buyers on that side too. So oh, like okay. a holding on an ad agency feels like a similar type of deal cycle and investment you have to make from sales and marketing to acquire them. So we typically look at an acquisition cost of a big deal of let's say anywhere from 50 to 100K of yep. just time and travel and all this other work you have to do to make sure that they get comfortable flipping over and using this platform as opposed to the old way they did it. But once you end up doing that, the deal that you receive is worth sometimes, you know, seven figures a year. And yep. so it, it pays off. And a lot of times the contracts are multi-year, so you get that return. Is your payback almost always like under six or five or four months? I mean, what do you try and do you try and optimize around payback period? And what is it? We don't, we should, um, frankly, because it's been a big deal type uh, business model so far, we haven't had those sort of traditional SaaS. And you don't have to, cause you have 46 right, million bucks in funding. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Although, you know, as we get, start to move into the next tier, I call it tier two or like the longer tail, you want to start to measure that to make sure you're efficient. Yeah. But I think generally you just told me if you're spending a hundred grand and most deals are, can be low seven figures, you're getting paid back in less than a year pretty reliably. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Team size today. Where are you at? Uh, we have 45. 45. And where's home? Where's home base? San Mateo. We also have an office in New York and we have an office in Boise, Idaho for scaling up. That's smart. And uh, year one was which year? 2012. Okay. Last few questions here. We're going to wrap up with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book? The Hard Things About Hard Things by Ben Horowitz. And number two, is there a CEO you follow or study right now? Yes. Uh, big fan of Mike McHugh from uh, Flipboard. From which Flipboard? Flipboard. Yep. Number three, is there a favorite online tool you have for scaling your business? Absolutely. We've been huge fans of 15.5. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Not enough, like six. <laughs> and what's your situation, Mike? Married, single, you have kids? Uh, married with kids. How many? Two. Good. Um, yeah, not wives, what's, kids. What's that? I said not wives, kids. <laughs> <laughs> Two kids. All Two right. Kids. And how old are you? Um, 46, 46. Last question. Take us back 26 years. What do you wish your 20 year old self knew? Man, I am telling you, hang out with those guys who know how to use the email, hang out with those guys who understand the new internet protocol. They were the ones who started the companies, uh, instead of like going after consulting or investment banking or whatever stupid job you were thinking you needed to go after, <laughs> uh, the nineties were the time to go experiment. And some of my friends who did that started companies like CNET and some other things. So like that was a uh, miss, but I caught up later. Mike is catching up. He started his catch up in 2012. He wishes he started earlier, but now Jelly is in a very hot market and he's preparing himself for the war for ear share, which is getting hot. The hardware is there. The, the audio inventory will, will only increase over time. And Jelly is positioned perfectly to try and help people understand what it means to run an audio ad and get a return on it. They're processing a hundred million bucks in spend right now. They also on the, on the radio side have 2,300 stations signed up, but a majority of the market share. They make a million bucks a month just from that doing about 22 million bucks a month and run rate today. That's up from about 6 million just 13 months ago. So healthy growth there. They won't grow 400% year over year this year, but still healthy growth with their team of 45 people based in San Mateo, New York, and Boise. Mike, thank you for taking us to the top. Thank you.